Hi, everybody, and welcome to part two of our very special holiday bonus episode. We had so much information last time, we didn't want to overload you any further, so we split it into two. And now it is time for part two. So let's dive in, shall we? Welcome back. Before we left for our little break, we were talking about decorations and plants, which are all part of the environment. This half, we are going to talk a little bit deeper about environment because environment encompasses so many things when it comes to helping to keep your animals safe, especially during the holidays. So let's just dive into this. Yeah, environment is really a big, a big, big thing. There's just so many aspects that we don't really consider when our pets are involved. They respond and react to things in typically very different ways than humans do. Although some humans could also have some issues with some of these things. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have our moments. (laughs) (laughs) But take that and amplify it by a hundred. And that's kind of how your animals feel, Mm -hmm. especially if they're not used to it. Like they can adapt and they can get used to it, but there's still going to be stress. You have to remember your pet when it comes to holidays. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is really where it becomes important to really pay attention to the communication that your pet is giving you, you know, because so many of us don't really know how to read our animals. We don't really know what the tail is telling us, what their body language is telling us, or, you know, even when they get quote unquote into trouble, what that's telling us. And we really need to pay attention to this because they're telling us something. I won't go into details with this, but the tail can be in in different positions. Ears can be in different positions. The body stance, this can indicate fear or stress or, or even if they've gotten into something that maybe they're not feeling well, even with behavior issues, if they get into something, it could mean that they're saying, you haven't been giving me enough attention. Because a lot of the time in the holidays, what happens? Our animals get neglected. Not intentionally, but we get so busy with all our holiday planning that our pets tend to get left by the wayside a bit. Yeah. And some of you guys probably have seen that with your pet. If they get a little bit obnoxious, quote unquote, when you're trying to read a book or when you're trying to be on the computer or when you're trying to, I don't know, do a task or a craft or a skill or whatever, they can to get obnoxious. And because we are human, our first I guess instinct is to yell at them because that's what we do with a kid if they're doing the same thing, but it doesn't always work. So in the holidays, that's just amplified even more because there is more going on and they just want to be with you. So they're not being bad. Mm -hmm. They're not being obnoxious on purpose. Well, they kind of are because you're not paying attention to them. So when you see your animal doing that, whether it be your cat or whether it be a dog, or whether it be a bird or whatever animal that's trying to get your attention while you're trying to do a holiday task or a holiday party, give them attention. Just stop. They're not doing it to be mean Mm -hmm. or to be bad. They're doing it because they want to be a part of everything. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always mean that you have to stop 100% what it is you're doing. What might be a better thing to do is to actually make a plan, schedule time in your day, 
-hmm. not just to take them for a walk, but like, okay, I'm going to schedule a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour in the afternoon to give them some playtime, some enrichment activities that may or may not include a walk, you know, depending, but, you know, set aside some specific time for your pet. Yeah. Because if you don't do that and you just, you know, stop for five minutes, whatever it is you're doing and give them attention, that's great. But that may not be enough. Yeah. Because as soon as you stop, they might start harassing you again. What I do is if I'm away or we go out a couple of days in a row, which isn't often, but when we do, I make a point to say, all right, after this thing, it's going to be like Maisie and mommy night. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be with my cat. Mm -hmm. There's nothing pressing. She's been neglected because we haven't been home. And I'm just going to take this time and I'm just going to be with my cat. Mm -hmm. So I end up having mommy and Macy nights. It's wonderful. And, and she doesn't, she still misses us, but it's, I don't think she feels as neglected because I'm setting aside the time for her. Mm -hmm. Just like you with a child. You set time aside to spend with your child when you're busy. At least we hope you do. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) It basically is, is what I'm saying is that little bit of effort and intention goes a long way for them. Mm -hmm. And another intention thing you could do is actually talk to your animals, tell them what's going on and say, yeah, you know, we're going to have a big party. There's going to be a lot of people over. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time getting things prepared for this. So I might not have as much time for you. You know, it sounds weird to talk to your pet like that, but they really understand a lot more than we yeah. give them credit for. And it works. <laughs> I've done it with Maisie. When I first started doing all the editing for the podcast and for my other radio show, she was in my face all the time. She did not want me to be so intently focused. And I had to have several conversations with her. And I would say for the past six to eight months, she's used to the time. She knows the schedule. And she's like, all right, we're in here. And almost immediately... When I come into the office and sit down in this chair in front of this computer, she follows me in and she just goes up into her bed Mm -hmm. because I had conversations with her. It works. You may sound silly to yourself. Don't sound silly (laughs) to the cat, but it works. And one of the things that you could talk to them about, because this is one of the things that can really stress animals out because they become very attached to their environment, especially cats. When we have holidays, and we're planning to have a lot of people over, there's a tendency to move things around. Maybe you're moving furniture around to accommodate more people, or maybe you're moving furniture around to accommodate the Christmas tree, or maybe you're, I don't know, putting different things up to be able to put different things of food or or whatever the case may be. There can be a lot of changes to the environment and things being put in different places. This can be very disconcerting for animals. So if you, again, just try to explain to them like that this is just temporary, it'll go back to the way you're familiar with in a couple of days or a week or whatever the case may be, then you might help to minimize that feeling of stress that they have. Or you can do a little bit at a time. Let Mm -hmm. them get used to one thing. So instead of decorating all in one weekend, maybe start the weekend before put a few pieces up move a piece of furniture and just let them get used to it Mm -hmm. instead of being bombarded with all the movement and then all the people and the activities 
you know, be a little bit methodical about it. So now you having your, your party going or your gathering for the meals or whatever the case may be, there can be all kinds of different activities and noise and people that are involved with that, which again, it's changing their environment. It's, you know, they get used to a certain noise level. They get used to certain routines because, you know, you have your certain routines that you do. You go to work, you come home, maybe you make dinner and then maybe you sit on the couch and watch some TV or read a book or whatever. You know, you've got your sort of routine that you typically do, which might change a little bit on the weekend, but it still, it becomes a familiar thing for your animals. When we have people over, that routine basically goes out the window. You're doing all of these extra things to entertain and prepare and all of those things. So you might have a party, you might have a medium to large gathering of people, you might have games, you might have dancing, all of these different things. And then depending on what kind of holiday it is, you might have fireworks, you might have music, you are often going to have a lot of loud talking and possibly singing. You might have noisemakers, you might have poppers. All that stuff is scary. Yeah. And it can also really hurt their ears. Yeah. We don't think that because our ears aren't as sensitive, but you can really do damage to your animal's ears if they're in the room and those things are going on. Mm -hmm. And then with the people, you know, a lot of people are very animal oriented. Some aren't obviously, but children especially have a strong tendency to gravitate towards animals, especially when they're toddlers. They just want to hug and cuddle and pet and grab and all of that with the animals, not really understanding what it is that they're doing. Especially if they're not used to having animals around. Yeah. Like if they just see an animal because they don't have animals yet, then they just don't know because they haven't been taught. Mm -hmm. And those people who love animals who don't have animals themselves, they often will be like, oh, this is my opportunity to get my animal love or whatever it is that they think of. Yeah. (laughs) I just had a really funny vision in my head. (laughs) Any of you out there watched Finding Nemo? If you remember the girl in the dentist's office that comes in with her little braces and all this stuff, and she starts banging on the glass of the fish tank, and all the fish are so afraid of this one little girl, but all she loves is she loves the fish, but because she's coming at the fish tank with this, to the fish's point of view in the movie, like this little monster coming up to the glass, that's Mm kind of how your animals will see children that they're not used to. It's that same fear response. It's going to be that same stress response because that is scary. Children have very abrupt movements. They're very loud. They move fast. That is 100% disconcerting. So I just had the vision of finding Nemo in my head with all the fish and the girl coming in the dentist's <laughs> office. I'm like, that's how your animal sees it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. <laughs> yeah, so... You really want to set up a situation where your animals can go and feel safe. And we'll get into that in just a moment here. But if they don't feel like they have any place that they can go and they're trying to get away from the living room or the kitchen area where usually the people are congregating mostly and they try to go to a bedroom or something like that and they're just being followed and chased by whoever it is, kids or adults, (laughs) 
then that is going to create a, an immense amount of stress for them. Yeah. Animals need to be able to feel safe. They need to be able to feel like there's a place that they can go where they are going to be left alone and it's going to be relatively quiet for them. So some of the other external things that can be an issue for animals, garbages. Mm. Yep. How many of you have garbages that just have like the, the pedal where you press up the lid, or maybe you've got those inside covered garbages where it's just basically the plastic bag with a, the plastic lid, or maybe you even just have like an open bin with no lid on it. Or if you have a party, a lot of people put like an extra garbage bag and hang it on like a doorknob of the cupboard and you just have this open garbage bag there so people can just quickly toss their stuff out. Mm -hmm. That might seem like a great way to, to manage all the garbage that you don't have a big mess to clean up afterwards. Problem is, it's also very accessible to your pets. Yeah. And garbages have a tendency to contain things in there that are toxic for them or could be dangerous tidbits because they might cause an obstruction if they swallow them, like bones, for example. So you really need to prevent access to it because if they want it bad enough, they're going to open up that bag or they're going to tip that garbage can over to get to it. Yeah. And I just want to add that also means people who just decide to give food to the animals. It's just as bad. Mm -hmm. Make sure you set the boundaries for your guests that they don't give your animals any food. Mm -hmm. And if they decide to do it and you catch them doing it, then you are more than welcome to ask them to leave. Yeah, exactly. Your home, your rules and your pets. <laughs> so, you know, your guests really should be respecting both you and your pets. So keep that in mind. And we always have these family members that can sometimes create issues because they feel like they're in the right to do whatever it is that they want to do. And sometimes we can have difficulty standing up to them and saying, no, mm -hmm. you're putting my animal in danger. I will not accept that. Hopefully you will decide that your animal is important enough that you won't accept those behaviors from anybody, whether they're family or friends or whatever. Exactly. Other things to watch out for are electricals and batteries, as well as candles, potpourris, essential oils, incense, diffusers. These are things that can cause a lot of challenges for pets. Electricals, for example, you've got the cord for your lights for the Christmas tree. They're often exposed. And if your animal is feeling the need to chew on something, they could end up chewing on those electricals and getting electrocuted. Not all animals are going to be prone to doing that, but puppies and kittens are highly prone to doing that because they're already in that teething stage. Yeah. And they explore the world with their mouths. Mm -hmm. That's how they learn things. So make sure they have a safe environment to explore. <laughs> right. So know your animal and find out, do they have a tendency to always want to put things in their mouths? Because there are definitely some dogs out there that get into trouble because they're always finding something to put in their mouth and they don't really care what it is. Yeah. And believe it or not, batteries are something that has to be surgically removed and it does happen. Yeah. There's dogs that will go after the remote controls, whether it's for the TV or whether it's for one of those motorized toy car things mm -hmm. or whatever. They will sometimes go and 
take a big bite out of those. It's not really known why, but it doesn't really matter. It just happens. <laughs> yeah. And if you leave a battery lying around plain and as day, it's always anything on the floor, the animal thinks is theirs. So just keep that in mind. So if you drop a battery or if batteries unattended or anything, light bulbs, you know, you replace the lights from your Christmas tree lights. They come in little packets, the replacement lights, anything that falls on the floor, anything that's left out, it's fair game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they might just look at it as a toy. They might not look at it as, oh, this is something I should try to eat. But even if it's a toy, they're still playing with their mouth a lot of the time. Yep. And of course, candles, potpourris, all that stuff. It's not necessarily what the product is made out of, which most of the time it is toxic. It's also the sense Mm -hmm. because animals process sense through their entire body. And so certain scents could cause pancreatitis in cats. Certain scents could cause allergic reactions in dogs and vice versa. So it's not just the product. It's the actual Mm -hmm. smell. And I know we all like our house smell like all Christmassy and holiday-y and all that stuff. Just know some of that stuff is going to be toxic just floating around in the air. Mm -hmm. And even if you get the unscented candles, if you put the candle in a place where your cat or dog can get some access to it, maybe you might have it up high enough that the dog can't really reach it, but maybe it's on a shelf where the cat can jump up to it. And they're just curious. Cats have burned off their whiskers because of their curiosity. They could also set their fur on fire They could also knock the candle over and just start a fire in general. And I'm going to just share a little bit of a story that happened with me and a roommate. There was a bunch of cats because she had her own three cats. And then they also had taken in a stray cat that was pregnant. The two roommates that I had. So we had quite a few cats around for a little bit. (laughs) I would say so. (laughs) And they had lit up a candle and it was sitting on the the dining room table. And at that point, I realized this is not safe because the cats were getting up on the dining room table. I didn't have as much foresight then as I do now, but I thought, okay, I'm going to put it up on top of the TV because that's higher. Not thinking, oh, well, the cats could jump up there too. (laughs) Unfortunately, the candle holder was not one of those ones that were safe for candles and it got really hot and the top of the tv was plastic and it ended up melting a hole in the top of the tv oh no so that's another thing to be aware of is what kind of candle holder are you using (laughs) yeah and we've mentioned it before if you can get those flameless candles Those are probably the best. They give the same ambiance. There's Mm -hmm. no smells. There's no nothing. They're really pretty and you can get them and they they've gotten so Mm -hmm. good now. They look like they're flickering. Yeah. A lot of these sort of fake alternatives, I guess, (laughs) if you want to call them that they're a really good choice to make. I mean, I know we have this desire to want to have the real thing a lot of the time, but the real thing is usually not a good choice when we have pets. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I've had pets my whole life. And as I've learned and as I've become a better cat mom, you know, I actually prefer the fake stuff because I can use it all the time. Like the price of a battery 
is so much less than the price of replacing a big giant four pillar candle. Hmm. Things are expensive. I mean, yeah, they may last a long time, but they're expensive. And replacing candles after candles, it's just expensive. So these fake things, fake trees, fake garland, fake holly, all that stuff, it allows me to be able to reuse things over and over and over again. Not only is it, I think, more sustainable because you're using them over and over and over and over again, you're saving a ton of money. And you're keeping your animals safe to boot. Yeah. The win-win. Not to mention the fact that you're reducing greatly the chance of a big vet bill. Yeah. And a fire. I have this weird like fear of fire. And I love candles too. So uh, it's like this weird paradox. But I've learned because I've had the cats that I, I don't need big candles. I don't need any of that stuff. I use tea lights mm. and lots of little voter holders. And the tea lights put themselves out. The votopolos are high above the cats. I mean, they have just been my go-to. So if we lose power, I got the house full of tea lights, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I don't have to worry about my animal. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about, you know, an open flame heating up the wall or something like that. It's all contained into a nice little glass cup. (laughs) Saves me a crap ton of money (laughs) and a crap ton of anxiety. (laughs) So another thing that we use a lot of during the holidays or cleaning products. We do our cleaning to get everything ready for the people coming. We want to make sure that our bathroom is clean, our kitchen is clean and tidy and all of that. But of course, when they leave, there's that cleanup afterward as well. And you might be thinking, well, I use products that are environmentally safe or I don't know if there's very many out there that are considered actually pet safe. You can get close, but still anything, even vinegar and baking soda cannot be good for animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably your best choice. Right. The main thing to consider when you're using these cleaning products is the fact that your animals don't have any shoes or socks on their feet. So they are going to be walking on the floors that you've washed. If there's chemicals on those floors they're going to end up licking their feet and ingesting those chemicals or whatever the cleaning agent is. And that could make them really, really, really sick. Plus a lot of these products have scents added to them as well. So just like we said, with the potpourris and essential oils and all of that, that is going to create an issue as well. And another thing that tends to happen is sometimes when we're cleaning, we might have a bucket or we might have a cloth that we left out that has cleaning stuff on it. And we might not put it away right away because maybe we go to answer the phone or maybe we go to answer the door or whatever the case may be and we just leave it out. Well, then our animals can get into it. So we need to be really mindful. If you do have to answer the phone or answer the door or whatever the case may be, or maybe you have to stop to go get something, pay attention to where you're putting your cleaning products Put them away somewhere that your animals cannot get access to. Put them in a cupboard that's got a child lock on it, for example. That is probably the best solution. You do some cleaning with, uh, with Maisie around. What is your process that you use? Um, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a huge... No, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm not a very good housewife. So... <laughs> I do use products. I use the products made by Melaleuca, which are mostly, I believe, coconut based. 
So they aren't caustic. We do on occasion use Clorox, but it's very, very, very rare. And when we do, I make sure to have a lot of ventilation. Most of the time, I just take the cleaner wipes, which is basically coconut oil or vinegar. Mm -hmm. And then I wipe down counters and tables with that. But again, it's her house. I just live here. So (laughs) there's a lot of things that I don't do because she doesn't like them. Mm -hmm. And when we do decide to do things like vacuuming, which I have essential oils in my vacuum cleaner, but I choose essential oils that I know are not going to affect my cat in any adverse way. Mm -hmm. So when we decide to do the vacuuming, we don't do it that often because of the essential oils, but we also tag team it. So if my husband's vacuuming, I'm in a closed room with the cat. And then we switch off and then he'll come in here and hang with the cat. And then I go and do another part of the house. So we've made it work, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of how we do it. Mm -hmm. Those are the cleaners that we use. I make sure that I limit the amount of caustic type cleaners. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not a very big cleaner person. I probably would more likely just take water and wipe down something. Yeah. Even if you're washing the dishes. Avoid using the dish soap that is scented, especially if it's citrus scented. Yeah. And petroleum based. If you look at the ingredients, sometimes you'll find things like petroleum type products in there to help break down the oils. Oh, yeah. But make sure you're using as clean of a product. I also use Melaleuca for my dish soap. That's very gentle soap. We use it for our hands. We use it for our dishes. Mm -hmm. You know, we just do whatever. I don't like having things in this house. You know, the only thing in in this house that I use that is probably not good for the cat is the Clorox. You just keep the animals away and then ventilate it so it's not in the air. And Mm -hmm. but we don't use it that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one thing that I strongly, strongly recommend you do not use is easy off or some variation of that for cleaning your oven. If you were planning to clean your oven for the holidays, but even at any time, because Animals can have a severe, severe reaction to that. Yeah. They basically can't breathe. Yeah. It's bad stuff. Vinegar and baking soda. Yeah. It's it's a lot more elbow grease. I know because I just recently did it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it to save your animal. Yes. It really is. And you'll save hundreds of dollars in vet bills. Yes. And coming back to the dishes for a moment too. I just also want to say if you have a dishwasher. Keep your animals away from the dishwasher soap. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we run a cycle, the dish soap will not completely dissolve or rinse away after the cycle. And I've seen images where, or videos where the dishwasher is opened and the dog is, or cat, I think usually it's a dog, is getting into the dishwasher. Sometimes it's before the dishes are cleaned, sometimes it's after, but there is that risk that they could adjust some of that dishwasher soap. Yeah. And those little pods that you can use, they work wonders. You don't have a lot of residue, but those things are also, they look like candy. So keep that away from your pets and your children. Mm -hmm. With all these things that we talked about, how do you really go and keep your animals safe and as stress-free as possible when it comes to the environment? Number one is to create a safe, calm space for your pets to go. So if you've got a finished basement or if you've got a bedroom or a spare room or something like that that you can set up where they've got 
kind of a den-like area that they could go to. Maybe they like going under the bed or maybe you've got a kennel or something like that that you can use. There's different things you can set up for them that just gives them that space that they feel like they can go to. And it's like, oh, okay, this is my space. This is my alone time. It's calm here. It's quiet here. And it's a no-go zone for anybody else. Yeah. So you have to make sure that that is also really clear to all of your guests. And you can also make it a sanctuary. Yes. You can add music. You can add soft lighting. You know, a place where they just feel like den, cozy feeling. Mm -hmm. Where they know once I cross this threshold, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Because animals get hyper-stimulated. And when an animal gets hyper-stimulated, sometimes they react in a way that may not be a good way as far as your perception. So they might snap, they might bite, they might scratch, they might bark out of control. They might be destructive. <laughs> yeah, destructive. They need to have a little sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And it's good to have that all year round too. Yes, definitely. Not just over the holidays. Always give them a space where they know that I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to go to my bed. Mm -hmm. I know that I can just let go of all of my anxieties because I'm, I'm safe now. Mm -hmm. When it comes to things like New Year's, where there tends to be a lot of loud noises involved, ideally it would be better to keep your animals away from that. Either keep them at home if you're going to be going out to celebrate New Year's or just avoid having a celebration at your place. You know, it's really not a good idea to have fireworks right near animals. There are some that seem to be okay, but in general, it creates a lot of fear as well as it could create a lot of pain. Yeah. And when we uh, talked about it over 4th of July, fireworks also not only affect your own animals, but they affect wild animals as well. Yes. There are animals that when they hear fireworks, they will leave their babies and those babies die. Not only that, they can cause heart attacks in birds. It damages the environment. If an animal sees a piece of firework that wasn't picked up and they eat it, it could be toxic and kill them. Just, I'm a big believer in stay away from fireworks. Just stay away from them. Watch a video. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and there's also starting to be some other alternatives coming out. Yeah. So look for those as well. Yeah. Another thing you can do to help them deal with loud noises in general is that you could use things like pheromones and calming music to help to reduce their fear and their stress. Yeah. I don't know about the dog version, but feel away works wonders in my house. And now feel away came out with an optimum and I'm really interested to try that for when Maisie goes into her heat cycles because it'll just definitely calm down mm. everything. I don't know about the dog version of feel away mm -hmm. i can't remember what it's called but they also have thunder shirts and stuff like that for dogs mm -hmm. you know if you know that these loud noises are going to be around at least prepare your animal or at least have things on hand that you can help comfort your animal and you know one of the the last things in this particular section we mentioned earlier have that conversation with your animal let them know what's going to happen. You know, say, okay, just so you know, there's going to be lots of people here. And again, you may feel silly, but it works. Treat them like a sentient being. Let them know your plans. If you're going to travel with your pet, 
talk to your animal and say, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be scary, but you're going to be with us, whatever that helps to soothe your animals. Just have the conversation, just the tone of your voice is going to put them at ease. Mm -hmm. So most of you are probably into giving gifts or receiving gifts or both. (laughs) Sometimes there's two things about this. There's the gifts that we receive, but there's also the idea that sometimes people want to give pets as gifts. We also mentioned about giving plants as gifts, which we touched on earlier on in the episode, where that could be an issue because the plant could be toxic. But giving pets as a gift is not a great idea because often when this happens, it's being done without any forethought. Sometimes it can work out. Sometimes the person you give a pet as a gift to is completely open and ready to take care of a pet. But there's a lot of cases where that isn't the case. Especially if you think that giving a pet to a child is a good thing, because it's not. No. When you give a pet to a child, it's not really their pet because they don't know how to take care of it. If you're the parent giving the child as a gift, basically you're giving yourself the responsibility to take care of the animal because you can't expect a young child to be responsible for it. It's not realistic. That even goes for eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds too. Oh yeah, definitely. Most children are going to want to play on their video games or play on the computer, maybe go play outside. I don't know if that happens too much these days, but. (laughs) I think it depends on where you live. Yeah. You know, they love to play with the animal. They want to interact with them. But when it comes to feeding them, walking them, taking care of them in other ways, that's not something they really want to do. They'd rather go and do something that is enjoyable for them. So you're going to end up having to always get after them to do whatever it is that you've asked them to do. And you always have to monitor them because you know, if you expect a young child to feed the animal and you're not watching, they're going to probably feed way more food than what is good for the animal. They're also probably going to get their hands all over the food. And who knows what they had on their hands before they gave the food to the animal. I mean, animals have a pretty good digestive system. They can deal with a lot of bacteria and stuff like that, but that can also still contaminate the food. And as we mentioned, a lot of times when it comes to animals, we got to treat them like individuals. We got to do that with kids too. I'm not, we're not saying that every kid is not going to be a good pet parent Mm -hmm. if you give them a gift, but the majority of them probably don't know what to do. And if you expect them to take on all the responsibility, you're actually asking a whole lot more than what they are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So you may get the one or two kids out there that are like loving the whole nurturing thing and they put the dog to sleep or they put the cat to sleep and they take care of them really well and they listen when you teach them how to do things and whatever. There are those kids out there. Yes. But that's not the majority. Yes. And really, if you're going to give a child a pet, you should be having a conversation with them first. Not doing it as a surprise, but letting them know it's like, okay, we're going to get a puppy, we're going to get a kitten or maybe an older cat or dog, or at least not that we are going to, but we're thinking about it. You know, ask them if they want that. Most of them are going to say yes, of course, but also let them want a pet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there could be some kids out there who are, are indifferent or fearful or fearful. Yeah. 
but let them know that they are going to have to take a certain amount of responsibility. Let them know that they're about the feeding responsibilities, the walking responsibilities, the cleaning responsibilities, all of those different things and say, okay, they're going to have to get involved with that. What are they willing to do? What, what responsibility do they want to take on? Give them a choice. If they say they don't want to take on any, then maybe you might need to rethink about whether getting a pet is a good choice. But if they do say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do this, then they're saying, okay, I am choosing to take on this responsibility. It's not being forced on them. Yeah. And if they do it for two weeks, then they stop doing it. You can't expect them to keep doing it. You can ask them to help you, but you have to keep in the back of your mind that after the magic has worn off, you're going to have to chip in a whole heck of a lot mm. as a parent. Are you willing to do that? Yep. Because there's always going to be the monitoring. You can't just let them just go and do that all by themselves regardless. Exactly. And I would also add that just like you don't want to surprise a child with a gift, don't surprise an adult with a pet as a gift mm -hmm. because you haven't talked to them. Like you're all of a sudden dumping a responsibility on somebody out of nowhere. You don't know what's going on in their lives. You may think you do, but they mm -hmm. may not have the capability of taking care of them financially. Yeah. Again, having a pet is like having a child. Same responsibilities. Maybe the pet's a little bit less expensive than a child, but they're still financial responsibilities. And not only the financial, but I mean, because we make the we'll make assumptions of oh, well, you know, I want to get a pet for this person because they're lonely or they need a companion for whatever reason or whatever you might tell yourself. But if they haven't expressed specifically to you that they would be interested in getting a pet, then you need to talk to them first. And not only is their finances something that needs to be considered, but you also need to consider their, their lifestyle and their time commitment as well. If they're working, how many hours are they working? Do they have the time to spend with the animal for training and walking and playing and all of that? But also how energetic are they? Are they going to want to take a dog for a walk two times a day? Are they going to even want to take a dog for a walk one time a day? <laughs> are they capable of doing it? Yeah. Especially as an adult, if they're lonely, maybe they're disabled, maybe they can't get up. Or if they're older, elderly, yeah, they may not have that physical capability. Maybe they can only handle going for a walk for 15 minutes. But if you get them a dog like a Border Collie, you're going to probably end up with them in the hospital. <laughs> so basically, ask yourself lots of questions before you do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Those are always yeah. good questions. <laughs> Gotta love those questions. They work for everything. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Just be conscious of any decisions when it comes to giving pets as gifts. I would hazard a guess that both Miranda and I say, stay away from that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Unless you've answered every single one of those questions. Yes. Be completely certain whether getting the animal as a gift is a good choice. What you can do as an alternative is you could maybe choose to donate to a humane society or a rescue shelter or some other kind of an animal organization as a gift. 
and put it in that person's name. That might, might not work for children because children aren't going to care about that probably. Although there are certain animal organizations where it gets children involved and they get like a badge and all of those kinds of things. So something like that might work. They might make them feel like they're important and doing something good. You could consider suggesting volunteering. You could have your kid maybe volunteer with a humane society and help with walking the dogs there or playing with the cats or whatever it is that they need help with that kids are allowed to do. Or if it's somebody else who maybe might want an animal, but they're not quite sure, you could suggest to them to maybe do some volunteering. And the last suggestion is that you could get a robotic animal. I mean, they're obviously not exactly like having a live animal, but you get a lot of the different aspects of it. They can be, depending on the type it is, you can get um, ones that have that sort of furry texture. So you feel like you're actually petting the animal. There are some that have the purring sound. So it feels like you've got a cat lying on your stomach and you're just petting them and they're purring along. You can get the robotic dogs that maybe don't have the fur on them, but they can do tricks and they will do different kinds of behaviors that are very similar to dogs. But the benefit of that is you don't have to clean up after them. <laughs> you can turn them off if you <laughs> need to sleep or something. And in this day and age, you get a lot of kids that are into tech. Mm -hmm. So you might get a kid that would be afraid of a, a real dog, but actually is beside themselves in joy having a robot dog mm -hmm. because they're into tech. So now that we've talked about giving pets as a gift, what about the presents that you could receive? Well, we already mentioned the plants, but the other things you need to be aware of, the present could contain chocolates or some kind of a product with chemicals. And if you put that under the Christmas tree, your animals could get into it because they're attracted to the smell. Well, maybe not the chemicals. They might not be attracted to the chemicals, but they still might rip it open at any rate. So if anybody is wanting to give you chocolates or something along those lines or essential oils or something like that, tell them to give it to you unwrapped so that you know what it is and then you have the ability to put it somewhere away from your animals. Or if you want to still wrap it, just say this is edible, want to keep it away from your dog. So here you might put it up on the shelf. Right. Something like that. And you can open it later. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, you're giving away a little bit of a hint, but they're also going to really appreciate that you, you're looking out for their animal. Mm -hmm. You also need to be aware of the tape, string, ribbons or bows that are used when wrapping presents, because this can be attractive to your animals. And it's like, oh, this is something I can play with. It's also something they could swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Just when it comes to all these things, it's really important to monitor your pets and pay attention to where you are putting things. How easily can your animals access this stuff and know their personality too? Are they likely to go after stuff like this? Because there are some animals that are very calm and they'd be like, I don't give a beep about that. <laughs> Yeah, there's many animals that care less about any of the stuff that we humans do. But there are those 
that like everything we yes. humans do. <laughs> <laughs> One trick that you could potentially use if you have an animal that wants to get into things a lot, you know, when they see people opening up their gifts in that, and they might get excited and they want to get into the fray and get fully involved. So you could give them their own gift to unwrap. Maybe you've got a toy or a snuffle mat that you already have that you could wrap up and give it to them. And the snuffle mat, maybe the toy or the snuffle mat is something where you could stick some treats into it. Yeah. What I've done with Maisie's, especially when her brother was there, I just took a whole bunch of catnip mice and I just kind of loosely wrapped them in tissue paper mm-hmm. and just let them go. And it was really quite funny <laughs> to see them open because <laughs> it wasn't difficult for them. It was just crumpled tissue paper rolled around it. So you're able to get at it really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. And probably part of the enjoyment was the, the sound of the tissue paper, all that crinkling noise too. Oh yeah. We always have a box full of tissue paper. Mm-hmm. Maisie's got a big giant, I think it's like a foot and a half by a foot and a half box in the living room that is full of just tissue paper and she rolls around in it all day long. Mm. She's got plenty of toys, but she'd rather play with tissue paper. So, hey, <laughs> fine by me. <laughs> long as she doesn't eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I think with tissue paper, you still have to be careful of dyes that could be put in it. Yeah. 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 Definitely like plain tissue paper, no coloring, mm-hmm. no glitter, no print. Yeah. So that's all about the gifts. Let's go into the travel. Are you planning to travel with your animals this year, whether it's for the holidays or anytime? Because this will be important to pay attention to regardless of the reason you're traveling. If you are going to be traveling by vehicle, air, or any other types of travel, you need to think about getting pet and travel insurance. Because just like we have insurance, like a medical insurance, when we go and travel, your pets need that too. If you end up going someplace out of your province or, or state and your animal needs some kind of health care, or even if you need to get perhaps a refill on some medication or something like that, you're probably going to have a lot more difficult time if you don't have a pet and travel insurance and you're going to be paying quite a bit of money because you'll be seeing a vet that doesn't know your animal. So you're going to have the full vet exam and all of these different things that are going to occur with that. If you're going to be going out of the state or province again, you need to have a health certificate. This is a requirement and you need to get it from a certified reputable veterinarian. Now I'd say probably most of them are that, but there could be some veterinarians who, if they're paid enough money, will or maybe if it's not even if they get paid enough money, but who will just issue a health certificate without doing the proper exam to make sure that they qualify for this health certificate. You want to make sure you have carriers or harnesses to use. Do not at any time let your animals roam free around the vehicle when it is in motion. Or around the destination you're going to because they're not familiar with the place. And if something happens, you don't know where they're going to end up. Just keep them on a leash. Mm-hmm. It's for their own safety. Maisie travels with us. She's got a travel house. She's always on my back. She, yeah, she's got a harness and a leash and all that stuff, but she's pretty much always in the backpack because mm-hmm. it's just safer for her. Mm-hmm. 
Also consider packing for your animals. You know, just like when we plan to go somewhere, we think about, oh, well, what do I need? What do my kids need for the entire time that we're gone away? You need to think about that for your animals as well. Think more long-term because you, otherwise you may not bring all of the things that could be necessary. Yep. We're flying in March to South Carolina with Maisie. I already have chosen the size suitcases. We're bringing her playpen, her pet diaper bag, kind of sort of, that's <laughs> what it is. It's kind of like a pet diaper bag. Mm. We're bringing her travel house. We have our airline carrier. So I'm already making a list of all the things. And let me just tell you, when we went to Vermont with the cat, now dogs may not need as much as the cat, but it was like traveling with a two-year-old. <laughs> Snacks, toys, playpen, carrier. You know, it's like just turn into a stroller, playpen, oh, right. whatever. And it was, <laughs> I mean, literally like we were only gone for three days or four days, three nights. And the majority of the stuff we brought were for her. Mm. So to keep her safe and to keep her, you know, she has a portable litter box, all of that stuff. I mean, it all has to happen. So you have to make sure that you pack appropriately and you end up preparing. You can't just so, oh, we're leaving in like the day before, get everything together because you're going to miss something. Mm -hmm. Look around your house, see what your animal uses on a daily basis and find a travel version of that. Yeah. Make a list of what they use on a regular basis and have that available so that you can check it off as you prepare. At least that's what I always do when I'm traveling for myself, because that helps me to not miss something. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a whole like in my notes app. I have a whole thing of like what to, what to bring when I travel. <laughs> I yeah. So I just go down the <laughs> list. I know I have everything. Because another thing is, especially with pets, depending on where you go, you may not have the ability to purchase things that you would normally get in your hometown or whatever for your animal. Mm -hmm. We humans kind of get a little spoiled because pretty much anywhere we go, we can get supplies and clothes and all that stuff. You may not have that opportunity when you travel with your animal. Yeah. So make sure you're prepared and pack accordingly. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to be traveling by air, you need to make sure you're getting the right carrier. Mm -hmm. because not all carriers are airline approved and air travel is something you do have to plan in advance. Yes. Because if you do not plan in advance, the airline may be like, oh yeah, we've got room for you, but we don't have any space for your animal. When we were booking our flight for South Carolina, they actually have a limit. No more than I think four animals are allowed on one flight. Uh, in the cabin area? Yeah, in the cabin area. So no more than four animals. And her backpack travel house is not airline approved. Mm. So we have, luckily, she loves her airline approved. We got the Sherpa carrier. She loves it. She actually spends a lot of time in it already. Mm -hmm. And we have to bring that. So we're literally going to be bringing two carriers with us to South Carolina. And we also had to pay a fee. We had to pay like $95 for her ticket, mm -hmm. basically. So you definitely need to prepare ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And you have to call before the flight too, just to make sure. Yes, yes. To reconfirm for sure. And with air travel too, you also have to make sure of the temperature because not so much if they're going to be going in the cabin, but if they are going to be going into the cargo space, the air temperature is important to know because you don't want it to be too cold or too hot. A lot of airlines will not 
allow the animal to travel if the temperature is going to be too cold or too hot. So pay attention to the time of year because Christmas could be a really cool time to travel depending on where you are. Yeah. And you're doing it peak. So it's even more people to deal with and more things. You may not get a direct flight. It's busy travel time. So that's going to add an extra level of anxiety and stress onto your animal mm -hmm. and you. And if you have an animal that you're bringing and it's going into cargo, most of the time, the bags that go into cargo sit on the tarmac for a while. Yes. So if it's too cold, your animal could freeze. If it's too hot, your animal could have heat stroke. That's why it's really, really important to know the air temperature from mm -hmm. the place where you're leaving from and the destination. Yes. Sometimes, even with your best effort, stress can sometimes end up causing your animals to take off. Or there could be some other situation where they end up escaping somehow. So it's really, really important to make sure that they have a microchip and tags and any other kind of ID information, but also additionally make sure it is up to date and registered. Yes. And I want to add just something here that I learned when we were going to Vermont with Maisie, I wanted to get her a microchip. I called my vet. They won't give a microchip if they haven't seen your animal within the last year. Oh. And because of the pandemic, Maisie hasn't gone to the vet. So that's another thing you need to keep in mind. If your animal has is gone quite a long way with getting a checkup and you need a microchip, you're going to have to plan for that because you're going to have to have an actual vet appointment to get the animal looked at. You can get your health certificate there or whatever just to get your microchip. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I learned. Yeah. Another reason why it's important to get that yearly health exam. Yeah. It's also important for you to get access to your current vet info, get a copy of your animal's medical records, keep the information of your current vet's name, phone number, and see if you can find a vet in the area that you're visiting, because then you can communicate with them and let them know. It's like, you know, this is my animal. We're going to be visiting. We may not need to come here, but it's a possibility. But at least they could make a note of that somewhere just so they have that information, because then at least they've got some heads up about it. But if the vet that you visit has access to your animal's medical records, because it's going to be a lot harder for them to get access to that if they have to try to contact your current vet and get that information. And a lot of them won't even accept that. They'll want to do their own exam and that to verify that the information is actually accurate. And consider the safety and the stress for each individual animal. Maybe it's actually going to be better for them to stay home. So really, really think about that. Dogs are usually pretty good at traveling. Cats may not be so much. Yeah, it took 30 hours for Maisie to adapt to our vacation in Vermont. Mm. After 30 hours, she came out and she was almost back to normal where she was laying on our laps and roaming and basically making the Airbnb we were staying in hers. But that's 30 hours. Mm -hmm. She's one of those animals that it would not be in her best interest to leave at home because she is so attached to me and my husband and she would be all by herself. And she's not good with that. She doesn't even like to be it all by herself when we're in the house. Mm. So she will come into the room where we are. Yeah. So it just wouldn't be good for her. Now, when she had her brother, it was a different story because the two of them had each other. Mm -hmm. 
and we were able to leave them and have, you know, my father-in-law come in and take care of them because they had each other. She doesn't have anybody now except for us. That's just, she's super attached to us. Mm. So it's just not in her best interest. Yeah. So we have to make all of these provisions to make sure that it's as enjoyable for her as it is for us. Mm-hmm. When uh, my mom and I traveled with her dog a few years ago, her dog was, she's passed away now, but her dog was really a one person dog. She was okay with me visiting and would get excited when I came in, but she didn't want me to pet her. When we were traveling in the vehicle, we drove for about four hours. Anytime my mom left the car, even if I was sitting in there with her, she would start whining. Mm. She didn't want to be away from my mom. That was very, very stressful for her. She found comfort having your mom around. Yes. You know, dogs find security with their people. Cats find security with their environment. So in your mom's case, your mom was her dog's security. Mm -hmm. And without her, he didn't know what to do. And if you're planning to stay in a hotel or a motel or even a friend's or family's home, you need to find out what the requirements are or what their expectations are for each of those places. Hotels and motels, even if they are pet friendly, are going to have different kinds of regulations. And you also have to consider if you're staying in those places, are you planning to go sightsee or leave to go eat out at a restaurant for a couple of hours? Because that's not going to be a great situation for your pet if they're being left alone in a strange environment all by themselves. No, it's not. We did that once in Vermont and we pretty much ate in most of the days that we were there. But there was one day I left her and we went to a restaurant, which was literally two doors down from where the Airbnb was. And she had already hit that 30 hour mark and she was starting to feel comfortable. I left her alone for an hour and a half. And when we came back, it was almost like we had to readjust her. Mm. It petrified her being alone in an unknown place all by herself, even for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So I've already told my husband, I'm like, our vacations from here on out, if she's with us, they're going to be different. We're going to eat outside a lot because most restaurants that have outdoor eating will allow you to have your animal with you. They're not allowed inside of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mentioned the travel house. We have a backpack. I basically take her everywhere. We don't do things that she can't be involved with. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that she will be able to adjust well to a vacation. Now, granted, she's a cat, so it's a different from a dog, but still your vacations are going to be different. Mm -hmm. If you can't sightsee with your cat or your dog and you have to leave them in the room by themselves, just know that that's going to be the scariest few hours that your animal is going to have that entire trip. Mm -hmm. And consider if you're staying at a friend's or family's home, your animal's not going to be able to do all of the things that it normally does when you're at home. So find out whether or not your animal is going to have to stay in one room in like the bedroom you're staying in or what expectations are there. And you have to make sure that that person's house, whether it's family or friend, is pet proofed. Yes. That's the first thing we did when we went to the Airbnb is I went through and pet proofed everything. Now it was just a little one bedroom apartment, but I had to make sure that there was no place that she can get stuck or get knotted up in wires or you can't always guarantee that especially if you ha- you're traveling with a small animal mm. 
in a friend or a family's house, unless they have animals themselves and care for them just like you want to take care of yours. Yeah. Don't make the assumption that just because they have animals that their home is going to be safe. Yeah. They may have a huge dog, but their home probably is safe for a huge dog, but it's not safe for a cat or it's not safe for a little dog. Mm -hmm. So we've given you a lot of stuff to think about (laughs) yet again. (laughs) I know. Well, it's our thing. (laughs) So good thing this is a bonus episode because this is going to be a lot longer than our typical episodes. It's going to be really long. (laughs) But let's let's just summarize it really quickly. Just bring it all together because we have talked about many of these things over and over and over and over again. And yes, we may sound like a broken record sometimes, but there is a reason and there is an intention behind our broken recordness. Who knows? Somebody may listen today that didn't listen three months ago and they're just hearing this information and we can help that animal as well. So that is why we do these things over and over again, because it is really important when you have an animal in your care to do everything necessary to keep them safe, happy, healthy. Mm -hmm. That is your responsibility as a pet owner, animal guardian. That's your job. Mm -hmm. It's not just to have these animals to make you happy. They're a living being that has to be considered. So let's just rush. Well, maybe not rush, but we'll, we'll get through the, the summary pretty quickly and just touch on the, the major parts. You know, even though we are repeating a lot of this stuff, we're often saying it in different ways. And hopefully if you've listened to more than one of our episodes regarding this, Maybe one way that we said it didn't really stick with you, but maybe you'll hear it in a different way that will suddenly resonate with you and may help you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So we talked about foods. You want to be able to provide safer and healthier food options for your animals. It's important to always stick with water when it comes to your pets. Mm. No other liquids. And we're talking to you, cat owners. (laughs) Well, even at dogs, it's like, don't give them alcohol or coffee or, or even pop or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that give milk to their cats. Oh, I'm sure. And I know somebody who regularly gave beer to his dog. So. Oh my gosh. The dog would actually come, the the dog would actually come and beg for it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. bad human. All right. (laughs) So yes, always stick with water because it is your safe bet. Yes. And with water, I'm just going to add, make sure that it is fresh and clean. Yes. And it's better to be room temperature as well. Yes. That's easier for the animal to absorb and stay hydrated. So if you want to include your pets in the holidays, when it comes to their foods, consider giving them some unseasoned lean or non-fat turkey or chicken, no brown meat, That could be unseasoned lean or non-fat beef or pork. Unseasoned, plain, sweet potato, pumpkin, carrots, Brussels sprouts, parsnips. As you can see, the theme is unseasoned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or maybe you might want to create your own special treats using safe foods. And if, if you're looking for other options, you're not quite sure what safe foods you could include that could be mixed to create a treat, reach out to us. We can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Consider using safer decorations and the placement of the decorations. 
find safer decoration options or prevent access to the trees and decorations. So we already talked about that, maybe putting it in a different room or putting a tree on the wall or something like that. There's a lot of different options out there. And I just saw a video recently of a cat tree that was created by, I don't know what company it was, but it looks like a Christmas tree, but it's kind of like one of those carpeted sort of cat type trees that they can climb up (laughs) (laughs) and it had holes and stuff that they could walk go through (laughs) there's so many creative options out there of course I would never want to put that thing away (laughs) (laughs) let's keep a Christmas tree all year round I'm losing everything (laughs) consider using an artificial tree instead of a real tree and if you are going to use a real tree then again block it off Use garlands that are going to either be away from your pets that they can't get access to, or make sure that they are something that is not going to be harmful to your pet. They're not food garlands that could be toxic or obstructive. They don't have the tinsel or the angel hair or the stringy stuff that they could chew on and swallow. An idea that just came to me was something like a wood garland possibly if it doesn't have any like dyes or sharp edges to it might be something very cottagey (laughs) that could work (laughs) just an idea but I'm sure if you do if you guys do some research you can find some different ideas out there avoid using real candles use those artificial candles avoid using chemical decorations such as the fake snow or perfumed smells whether it's regardless of whether it's natural or unnatural. Consider avoiding having any live plants. Learn which plants are safe to have in your home or have only fake plants in your home. Another thing that I saw suggested was for cats because cats can have a strong desire to wanna climb up in the trees and perch there because they like to be up high and it also kind of gives them sort of a lookout sort of space which could ultimately end up tipping the tree and other things that could happen with that. So a suggestion I saw was that you put a den like area right underneath the tree Mm. that gives them a place that they already feel comfortable with that they want to go in and maybe they'll be less likely to want to go up and also have like these perches along the walls where they already have a place where they can go up high and then they're not going to be so inclined to want to go up into the tree. Yeah, or you can do what I do, just get a five-foot cat tree. <laughs> <laughs> so she can go all the way up at the top and be taller than everybody. <laughs> so how do you create a safer and less stressful environment for them? Provide a calm place for them. Prevent pets from bolting out of the door from the stress by paying attention to them and also by giving them that safe place, but also educating your guests. Letting them know to leave your pets alone. If they come into the area where all the guests are and they're looking to be pet or something, that's one thing. But if they leave the area, that's an indication that they want to be left alone. Protect them from loud noises, whether it's from the firecrackers, whether it's from the loud talking, music, whatever. Talk to your pets about what's going on. Let them know what to expect. Maintain your pet's routine as much as possible. If it's a dog, try to take them for a walk at the same time that you would normally take them. 
feed them at the same time you would normally feed them as close to it as you can. I mean, within a two hour span is usually pretty reasonable. Provide some extra mental, physical activity the day of the celebrations and even a couple of days beforehand as well and give them lots of attention. Check on your pets every 30 to 60 minutes to see how they are doing. This is really important because if you check on your cat or your dog every 30 minutes, you would know if they darted out the door a lot earlier, more likely to get them back inside. You can be aware if they eat anything that they shouldn't have much sooner and you can get them the medical attention they deserve. You can also help them feel more secure emotionally if they know you're, you're thinking about them and they're not just left to their own devices. There's a lot of reasons why you want to check on your animal every 30 to 60 minutes. I barely even go 30 minutes. I will check on my cat constantly because my role as her mom is to make sure that she's safe and secure at all times. Whether I'm a helicopter or a mom, I don't care. Her safety and her comfort is my priority. And so if I check on her every 20 minutes, I will do that. Well, I mean, you think about it with young children, especially the ones who have just started learning to walk. You could leave them alone for five minutes and they can get into some kind of trouble. Yeah. And consider that the age that it's kind of equated to for humans is they're about a two or three-year-old. Yeah. With gifts and travel, make sure you don't give any pets as gifts without talking to the person that you're planning to give the pet to. And also be aware of the gifts that you may receive that could be harmful to your pets. With travel, plan, 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 plan. plan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, your priority is to keep them safe and comfortable and secure. That is your job. However you do that is going to take planning. Mm -hmm. Make sure you know what to bring health-wise, comfort-wise, make sure you know where you're going to and what the requirements are. This is also, this is like overlying everything that we've talked about. Understand your pet's personality, triggers, and health. Yeah. Again, every animal is different and they're going to respond differently to these different situations. Yep. You may have one dog or one cat that's totally cool with everything. And then you may have another one that is shaking in its bones. They're petrified. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that you adjust to your animal's situation. And if you have an animal like myself, who has an underlying health condition, you have to take extra precautions to make sure that not only they stay healthy, but other animals stay healthy as well. Mm -hmm. And if worse comes to worse, if they are too ill to travel, then maybe you board them in a medical facility with your vet, which is going to cost money. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to plan for that as well. Mm -hmm. Just be aware. Yeah. Or you might be able to get a qualified pet sitter who has the capability to understand the health issues and take care of them in the way they need to be. Yes. If you might be wondering, okay, are you expecting that I do all of these different things for this holiday year? No. This is a lot to consider. And if you haven't been taking any of these things into consideration, you know, granted, a lot of people are just simply not aware. They just don't realize all of these risks that could be involved. 
how it can impact their animals. And it doesn't make you a bad pet parent. It just, you're simply unaware. So we're just bringing the awareness to you. This is a lot to try to change up all in one go. So try to see what one thing or a couple of things you can decide to do differently this year. You know, try to think about the things that are going to be the most risk for your pets and make that change. Yeah. One of the suggestions that I have is consider learning how your pets respond to stress. What behaviors or symptoms do they display? If you're only able to do one thing different to help your pets thrive better during the holidays, what would you decide to do? Yep. I want to add just at the end of this, no matter what you do, the most important thing that you can do is to just consider your animal. Just consider them. Guaranteed, if you do that, you'll probably do half of this stuff in a heartbeat. It's not that hard. It sounds like a lot and it is a lot. Just like when you're a first time parent, there's a lot of stuff to learn and you're going to make mistakes. That's normal. But if you consider the animal and if your goal as a pet owner, as an animal guardian is the safety, security and health of your animal, first and foremost, it's just going to be easy to adjust. Mm -hmm. Because there's no question, there's no thought. You're looking at it from a different type of perspective and it makes everything easier and you're going to naturally do them anyway. At least we hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But that's my final thought. Just consider your animal. Yeah, try to think from their perspective rather than your perspective. Yeah. What's going to make my animal feel safe, secure and healthy during the festivities? If you ask yourself that question, you will know the answer. And hopefully this podcast will be a guide for you to check back and listen to again and again and again, because this stuff isn't going to change. But the more you get this into your brain, the less difficulty you will have to implement them. Mm -hmm. My final thought. (laughs) And again, if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, please reach out to us at the animal files podcast at gmail.com. We welcome your suggestions, your ideas, your stories. Let us know if there's anything that you would like us to talk about. You know, maybe there's something that perhaps you have some information on that you think would be valuable for us to share. You know, so please reach out to us and you can also find us on our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com. We have all our socials on there. We've got all our episodes on there. So you can all, you can find all the episodes on your favorite podcast platform, but you can also find it on our website. We've got different ways that you can support us. If you choose, we've got the option of donations, merchandise, becoming a Patreon member, We're in the process of getting various resources on there for you to access as well. Anything else I missed? (laughs) No, I think you got it all. (laughs) And we will be updating it. There are some things that we still need to update on the website, but there is an internet connection issue. So once we get that sorted out, we will be making all of the changes necessary. We'll be updating our resources. So you will have all of that. We're going to upload some PDFs 
for you in the near future of quick checklists and stuff like that, whether you travel or whether it's health or so you have all that stuff. So just bear with us. There's an awful lot on there already. So just go check it out. But just know there's going to be more coming in the future once we get the tech sorted out. And if you find our information valuable and you think other pet parents could benefit from it, please share. Oh, definitely share. We want to help as many animals as we can live safe, happy, and healthy lives. You can help us do that. So share us around to your fellow animal lovers. And I guess with that, we're going to end this super long bonus episode (laughs) um, (laughs) with lots of information. And we will see you when we start our new season in 2023. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us for this two-part holiday bonus. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The Animal Files will be back with Season 3 in 2023 with more great interviews and topics to help keep your animals safe, happy, and healthy each and every week. In the meantime, you can head on over to theanimalfilespodcast.com to check out our growing list of resources and to stay connected with us through our socials. Have a wonderful holiday season and we will see you all next year.